so the time changes. But hey, it's great to be uh, with you this morning. Last week we started a, a series that I believe is just going to be very dynamic and very, very helpful uh, to people as it relates to the condition of their hearts. So um, we talked last week uh, about the fact that all of our lives, many of us, have been taught about our behavior and, and the whole emphasis is on the outward appearance and, uh, you know, saying the right things and not saying the, ro- the wrong things. And, and the actions that we take, we can control them by just uh, by behavioral control. And, and, you know, I bet you you went through this in your life, too. You know, when you're told you better not do that again, right? Or you know what's going to happen next time that you do that, right? And so we, we've been taught just... Just by virtue of our culture and our upbringing many times that we can control what's going on in our lives on the outside and we can look good and, and uh, be perceived as good. But in reality, there's stuff in our hearts that are, that are left undealt with. In fact, Jesus, uh, Jesus addressed this with the Pharisees one day when they were concerned about the washing of hands. His disciples weren't washing their hands when they were going to eat. And uh, time and time again, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus is going after a change, a legitimate, authentic, uh, real, and deep change in the hearts of people more so than, he, than he's all about the, he wasn't about the outside appearance. He, he wasn't about that. He, he believed, and I believe this is, this is the clear biblical teaching that Jesus came to bring was that when you're changed on the inside, inside the outside takes care of itself. And so all of our lives, we've been brought up with fix the outside, adjust the outside. You better, you better say the right thing, smile at the right time, do this, and behave this way. And Jesus said that's not the right approach. And, and I bet you there's times in your life that as you were growing up and, and uh, learning the right things to do and the right ways to behave, there's things that came out of your mouth or actions that you took Things that you said, thoughts that you had, you were like, oh, I can't believe I said that. That's not like me. I, I don't ever talk that way. Or, um, you know, actions you took, people are like, that is not, that's not normal for you. What's going on? And Jesus was saying during that time, I know where that stuff's coming from. It's coming from your heart. In fact, he goes on to say, the thoughts that you have. The words that you speak, the actions that you take, these things all come from your heart. And you may say, wait a second, the thoughts I have, they don't come from my heart. They come from my mind. Jesus, you can argue with Jesus on this one. I think he's right. Okay? But he said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? The thoughts, the actions, these all come from something that's much deeper uh, than the surface outward appearance that we work so hard at maintaining. And so as we talk about this series, Enemies of the Heart, we're going after some things that really uh, can, can be used in, in a very powerful way to pull us down and, and to cause us to, to focus more on the outward appearance instead of allowing the Lord to come in and clean our heart. David, David said it this way. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. I, as I stand before you today, I want my heart to be clean. I want it to be pure before God. I don't want to have to hide stuff and lie about stuff and deceive people about the reality of how wicked my heart is, right? 
And so we want to let the Lord come in and begin to do some, some surgery, some, some uh, spiritual surgery on the things that are going on in there so that we can be pure before him. And so this is what we're going after in this series. And today, I want to talk to you. Um, in fact, the next four weeks, we're going to cover four different things, enemies of the heart. Today, I want to talk to you about one uh, that's very prevalent um, in our culture today, and that is called guilt. The enemy of the heart called guilt. And I don't know if you've ever run into this thing or ever dealt with this, this thing called guilt, but I remember um, uh, one, one incident where it just came on me so strong. Guilt is, sort of brings this weight, this heaviness. Uh, it, it robs you of joy and hope. It, it, uh, it, it kills your ability to have healthy relationships a healthy relationship with God. It, it, uh, it, it's stifling to experience. This one time, years ago at this church, we had invited someone to come in and, um, and lead us through this uh, inner healing and deliverance uh, teaching or conference. It was called the, in, the uh, Encounter Weekend. Encounter Weekend. So um, it was part of our discipleship process. We wanted people not only to grow in their knowledge of the Lord and, and their identity and things like that, but we also wanted to root out some stuff that was, you know, deep within in their lives and in their hearts from, from years previous. So um, this, this individual comes in, and before the weekend came, there was this, this uh, survey or questionnaire that we had to fill out. And it was multiple pages. I mean, it was exhaustive. It was long. There was a lot of questions about our lives and our past and our history and the things we did and didn't do and, and all this stuff. And I remember filling this thing out. And uh, as I'm filling this questionnaire out, a whole bunch of things that I hadn't, I hadn't thought in, of in years started bubbling to the surface. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is not good. There's a lot of stuff I did that was not good. And, and so I'm, I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. I'm like, I want, I, you know, I could hide this stuff. I could continue to hide it. I, I had forgotten about it. But, um, and this stuff's coming up to the surface. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I did this. Whoa. And, and, and as I'm filling this thing out, and I'm being honest, and it wasn't, it wasn't going to be uh, for somebody else. This was for me to expose some things that were in my life that potentially could uh, need to be dealt with. And I was, I was shocked at, at some of the things that were on this, these sheets of paper. And I remember this feeling of guilt coming over me like, I cannot believe these, these experiences and these decisions I made and these actions I took and these ways I treated. I can't believe this. And so um, time went on, and, and as that weekend's approaching, I, I just felt... I just felt so convinced in my heart, I need to talk to my wife about these things because I had never, ever talked to her about these things. And I don't believe, and you just need to trust me in this, I don't believe it was intentional that I was trying to uh, be deceitful. I just had totally forgotten about these things. And this questionnaire uh, stirred these things up. And I remember telling my wife, you know, I, I can't, you don't know this about me. And, and talking about this and this and this, and there was a lot. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, there was something there about me having that conversation with my wife because I had already dealt with this thing and these things with the Lord. I mean, he, whether, whether I 
directly brought each and every one to the Lord or not, I felt like I was, I, my sins had been forgiven. But there was something relational that I felt like my wife needed to know about me. Because I, didn't, I don't think she got the whole picture when, when she said I do. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden the truth starts coming out about this guy, you know? And she really didn't have second thoughts, I don't think. But anyway, um, this guilt, this guilt, I, I felt like this, this weight was taken off of my back, off my shoulders, off my chest. It was just sort of gone because um, it wasn't healthy. I don't believe it was from the Lord, but I wanted, we, we have this policy in our home about no secrets, you know? There's no secrets. There's not a, there's not a password that I wouldn't give her access to. There's, she can pick up my phone at any time and look at any text, any message, anything I've ever sent. She can look at my Facebook account. She can look at the history of anything I've browsed on the internet to look at. We have no, no, no secrets. And I think that's why I was so, uh, so feeling so guilty in those moments because uh, these things were exposed that she didn't know about me. And she was very gracious, and we talked through it, we worked through it, and, and we moved on with life. But it was, I, I don't know if you've ever had uh, feelings of guilt. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you just seem, can't seem to kick, you know, that thing you've done in the past, or what you did to that individual, or that person. Or maybe you just, you don't even know why you feel guilty, but you feel guilty. I want to talk to you about this today, because this is what I believe. I believe that the Lord wants to root out all aspects of it. I believe that he wants you totally free. I, want, I believe that he wants your heart free and clean and pure before him. God is not a God of guilt. He, he does not want you uh, walking around in life worry, worried about him coming down and, and pounding you or pouncing on you or you know, sending this asteroid from outer space to land on you because you're guilty. No, he, he wants to free you from these things, from these feelings. He wants to set you free. He wants his children to, to be free and not have to carry uh, that burden of guilt. So I want to get into this with you a little bit. We started off last week, actually we finished off last week um, with a verse that, that Solomon spoke out of Proverbs. Very, very powerful verse. In fact, this may be used briefly in every message on this series. And it says something like this, uh, Solomon, very, very wise man, had a lot to say about a lot of things. But, but he uh, starts this phrase off, above all else, this is Proverbs 4, excuse me, 23. And he says this, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Above all else. He, he's, in, in fact, the way he's phrasing it, it's, a, it's almost like saying, if you get anything right, you got to get this right in life. This, this is like the paramount, the top, the, the most significant thing that you need to focus on. Uh, get this right if you get anything right. And he says, guard your heart. He didn't say guard your mouth. He didn't say guard your behavior. Right? He said guard your heart because he knew that the, the mouth speaks, the, the thoughts come, and the behavior comes out of the heart. And so out of it flow the issues of life. This is what Solomon's uh, talking to us about. Um, and, and so I, I just want to say this. Listen, there may be times in life where we experience feelings of guilt. Because there's, there's times that we just, we say the wrong thing sometimes. We make the wrong choices sometimes. We do the wrong things sometimes. 
I want to equip you. I want to give, I want to put a tool in your toolbox today that when that feeling comes, you'll know exactly what to do with it. Because I'll tell you what human nature wants to do with those feelings of guilt. They want to deny it's real. They want to deny it's there. They want to ignore it. Or they want to blame somebody else. And the reality is that if you do any of those three things, the guilt will remain. Right? The, the guilt just stays there. It, it lingers. Um, and so guilt can be a, a feeling of remorse um, based upon something that we've done or perceived to have done. David, in Psalm 32, I want to read a, a few verses from the psalm that David wrote in, uh, af- after his fall with Bathsheba. David was a very prominent, powerful, rich uh, king. He was, he was not only a, a political leader and a military leader, but he was also a spiritual leader in Israel. Well, he messed up. Uh, he, he ended up uh, with this woman that was another man's wife, and she got pregnant, and it was a mess because he tried to cover it up. Do you know, uh, guilt many times comes from having secrets. Trying to hide our secrets. Trying to protect ourselves from people figuring us out. And so David's doing this. He's, he's trying to cover up his incident with this woman named Bathsheba. And she has, he has uh, her husband Uriah killed. Interestingly, you know what? We may have secrets that we try and keep from one another. From our loved ones. But God knows everything. So he sends this prophet Nathan. And Nathan comes to, to the king, King David. And he begins to speak in, in this, this parable. Something to the effect of, you know what, there were these two men. One was very rich, and he had all kinds of lambs and animals, and one was very poor, and he just had one. He just had one ewe lamb, and it was precious to him. It was very meaningful to him. And, and there, was a, there was someone who came from out of town that, that needed something to eat, and the king refused to help this man out, but he forced the man with one ewe lamb to give up that lamb, to that guest. And so uh, David, as a king, is hearing this story, and he's getting furious. He's like, that man deserves to die. I can't believe he would do something so wicked, so evil. And Nathan the prophet says something like this, that man is you. And I could just imagine at that moment David responding like, oh, and, and Nathan goes on to expose everything, all revealed by the Lord. So out of this um, experience, David writes these words. And this, this actually happened months later. So David is, this is not like one day uh, David has this uh, experience with Bathsheba and the next day Nathan comes. I mean, he had a long time, at minimum nine months, because the baby had been born, it says. Psalm 32, these are David's words about the feeling of guilt. He says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. 
I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. There's something so powerful about feeling clean and forgiven by God. Of not having secrets, not hiding anything, but being pure and holy in his sight. That's his desire for us. In fact, he's made a way for us to live that way every day of our life. And so we should choose, be the kind of people to choose to walk in that. So um, what I want to say this is, uh, guilt creates this unhealthy connection between two or more people. Guilt says this. Guilt says, I owe you. Guilt says, I owe you. I'll go on to explain that. Um, anytime we offend someone, we create this, this debt, this I owe you. We offend someone, we hurt someone. Um, for example, if I've lied to you, I owe you. If I've cheated you, I owe you. Uh, and this is, this is very ingrained in our culture. If I've been unkind to you, I owe you. We use words like this. I owe you an apology. Right? Have you ever said that? Why do you owe someone an apology? Because you've wronged them. Right? So, so guilt creates this, this feeling of I owe. Or there's maybe not only I owe you an apology, but let me make it up to you. Why do you got to make it up to somebody? Because you've wronged them. You have this feeling of I owe inside of you. And, and so... Um, I'll give you an example of this I.O. feeling. Now, this is not particular to, I would use a man or a woman interchangeably, but say a man, he, he's married and seemingly happily married, and he decides he's going to leave his family because he's found this other woman on the side. And so he, he's, he's, he's got a couple kids in the picture, and um, when he leaves, all he takes is his clothes, with him, leaves them the house, leaves them the cars, leaves everything. But what he does take is something so much more than material. See, from his wife, he, he's taken a piece of her future. He's taken her future uh, 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 financial situation. He's taken her reputation as a wife. He's taken a, a piece of her self-esteem. And this is creating, it's creating an I.O. situation. Um, from the kids, that father, he, he, he takes um, a, a, um, what a father means to a home. It's gone. He's robbed them also of birthdays together, Christmas together, family celebrations. He's taken something by walking out. Now, the father in his mind is thinking, I'm gaining, right? I'm gaining, but everyone else views it as we are losing. In fact, as soon as he meets up with that little girl, his little girl, and she says, why don't you love mommy anymore? He begins to feel that guilt settle. And, and you know the response, the typical response to something like that? I owe. Let's go. Come on. I'll buy you the nicest toys. I, I owe you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a little vacation. Let's go spend the day together. We'll go out to eat and we'll go to all these fun places. Why, why would he do that? Because he feels like he owes her something. Are you with me? Does this make sense? There, there's this feeling when, when, we, when we've uh, offended or hurt or done wrong to someone that we owe them. And so uh, moving on. There are two ways, only two ways that we could get rid of our guilt. Somehow, some way, we, could, we, can, uh, we can pay the debt back if you can put some value on it. 
Like, I, I don't know how, it, it, and it's very, very difficult. Let me just say, it's very difficult to pay the debt that you've created back. Maybe, like, you can come up with some monetary value. Maybe you've damaged something of someone, and you can pay them back. Or maybe you've damaged someone's reputation. I don't know how in the world you can pay them back for that. Or maybe, you know, you've robbed someone of years of happiness, you know. How, how do you go back 5, 10, 15, 20 years to pay someone back uh, for something that you've, you've taken from them? It, it's very difficult. It's very challenging to do. Um, and if we could fix it, we might get rid of the guilt, right? But I, I don't know anyone who's able to go back and fix those things, pay back the debt that they've created. There's another way, which is like the answer. And this is like as basic and as simple as it gets in the Bible. In fact, a lot of you probably could tell me the answer to this. But um, since I owe something, I could go and ask for the debt to be canceled, for the debt to be forgiven, right? So, so and this is like a biblical, if you think about it, this is how we've been set up by God that, you know, it, if, if we've sinned against God, we could go to him, we can confess the fact that we've sinned against him and ask him to forgive us, right? This is how we deal with guilt. It's through confession. How many know First uh, John 1, 9, and maybe, maybe you practice this regular, regularly in your life. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, Right? Now, how we, how we use this verse many times in our culture is this. We, we fill up our bucket of sins. We go, you know, we, we fill it up. It's filled with all these sins, right? And then we go and empty it out. And then we go the next day and just go back and do the same old thing again. We fill up that bucket. We've got, hey, I'm confessing my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive him, right? And so we, keep, we go through life with this mindset like, I... You know what? I, I'm confessing. I'm being forgiven. And you are, honestly, in my opinion, you are being forgiven. But you know what? The guilt doesn't go away. I mean, honestly, does it? Did you ever try it? The guilt remains, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe we have guilt-free people in here. I love the fact that you're guilt-free. In fact, that is the goal of our lives. Or maybe we've got so many secrets we don't want to look to the right or the left because we're thinking someone's going to see me looking at them. And then, yeah, anyway. The guilt doesn't go away because biblical confession is not uh, not just an excuse to continue to live the same way. It's not not just a means to, to relieve our conscience of guilt. That's not the purpose of biblical confession. That's one part of it. But the other part is that we, our lives are changed as a result of us coming before the Lord and asking him to remove this pain, this guilt, this sin, this stain that's in our lives. Because God is going after the heart. You see, you see if, if we were literally, literally stained on the outside by our sins, and we go and we make this confession and our sins on the outside would be clean, that would seem to work. But the reality is our heart is stained by sins. Our heart carries the weight and the pain of the guilt and the hurt that we've caused in life. 
And that's why, you know, our sins may be forgiven, but our heart is not being purified. Our heart's not being changed. And so we carry the weight of this guilt in our lives. And you can pray and pray and pray every night. And it's like it's not, you, you have this feeling, it's not going away. What do I need to do? And, and there's medical conditions, physical uh, conditions tied to people who live in guilt. There's, there's people who have uh, physical problems, mental and emotional problems as a result of the guilt they carry. And Jesus says, I've come to set you free from that guilt. But it requires a change. It just, you, you can't just go and dump your sins and, and go on and keep living the same way. So I want to talk to you about what biblical confession looks like. All right? Because this is going to be the tool that helps you get rid of your guilt today and, and not allow your heart to be stained or uh, carry, carry the, the, the weight of guilt again. And, and so if we, can, if we can conquer this thing, this enemy of the heart, we are going to be freer in, in many ways than ever before in our lives. That we don't have to carry that weight anymore. So I, I want to share with you what this looks like. Uh, from a biblical perspective. I, I said that confession is one part that, that God has put in place of how that we can uh, move toward freedom, right? Freedom of the heart. But, but there's another piece under confession that we tend to, tend to uh, ignore. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5. We're going to look at two verses. This is, this is the law. And, and Moses, God's giving the law to Moses. And it says this in Numbers 5. I'm going to take a second to get there. Numbers 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, say to the Israelites, this is the Lord speaking to Moses. Say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful, to the Lord is guilty. So, so say you went next door and stole your neighbor's chicken, okay? You stole your neighbor's chicken. You, you, you've wronged your neighbor, right? And the Bible says that you're, you've not only wronged your neighbor, but you've been unfaithful to the Lord. You see that? It says you're guilty for stealing that chicken. And you must confess the sin that you've committed. And you must make full restitution for the wrong that you have done. And, and by the way, add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the person you have wronged. You see, God set in place this, this mechanism where if there's sin in your life, not only is your relationship with God impacted, but your relationship with another person or other people is impacted, right? You've wronged your neighbor. You're, your neighbor's going to be mad at you. And you go and you take your little bucket of sin and you dump it before the Lord because you confessed. But that does not fix the problem that you've created by your, by your choice. Do you get this? So, so we've got a problem. Our neighbor's mad at us. He's eyeing us when, we, when he sees us, you know. We, we walk by and say hi. And he's, he's really mad because we've got his chicken. It might have tasted good, but you, you're going to pay a heavy price, a consequence as a result of the decision you've made. You see this? So, so even in the law, the Old Testament, there's, there's this thing called restitution or payback um, to, to right the wrong that, uh, that was put in place. And so 
what this law sets up is not only payback, but it's also having to go to that person and admit you were wrong. Right? Listen, I stole your chicken. It was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking at the moment, but here's, you know, here, here's, the, here's the chicken back, and here's some extra money for the inconvenience I caused you. Do you know looking someone in the eye that you've sinned against is a big deal? We, we, uh, we innately teach our kids this all the time. When, when my kids were growing up and they, you know, say my kids stole these little, ar- you know, the little army men from, from one another. Or my kids, in, I find there was times I would find in my kids' drawer, we had visited friends or something like that. And in my kids' drawer were little toys that they never had before. And I'm wondering, what's going on? Where did these come from? And I'm thinking, okay, well, they probably took them from the house we were at last night, right? And so we have to have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Well, the beginning of the conversation is something like this. I don't know where they came from, Dad. <laughs> right? And, and no one's guilty at all. But as, you know, as we begin to keep asking questions, we discover that someone, you know, had a few toys in their pockets. In fact, you know, you find one still remaining in their po- jean pocket or something. And it's like, well, how did this get in your pocket and in your drawer? Dad, I did it. And so we have this conversation, and, and, and uh, in parenting, we teach them, how, how, do you deal, how do you need to deal with this, son? Well, I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. So they ask the Lord to forgive them, right? But then they also have to go to that person, right? Don't we do this many times as parents? I want you to go tell them what happened. Somehow we get away from this as, as adults, that we, we no longer have to look at the people in the eye that we've, we've sinned against, that we've harmed, that we, we've spoken harsh words against. We just think it's easy enough for me to go to God because, you know, it, it's easy. I just say a quick prayer and it's done. I dump my sin bucket out, but, uh, and I just move on with life. You see, it, it, this, I just share with you numbers. Let's look in another place. See, we think it's just, Confession is all about getting our guilt relieved, and it's so much more than that. It's more than just getting our our guilt relieved. He wants to change our hearts. When you have to look someone in the eye, that will change you. It will change you. And maybe you have to do it a couple times. Maybe you're slower than most, all right? But eventually, I believe that you'll get it. Let's look at another example. Zacchaeus, Luke uh, 19. Zacchaeus is an amazing story. Here's this guy. I mean, he is, he may be a, a Sunday school hero, but let me tell you something. He was, he was hated by his people. He, he was a villain in his hometown because he was the chief tax collector. And as a chief tax collector, he made a lot of money off of ex, exhorting, extorting, extorting, not exhorting. Exhorting means make someone feel good about themselves or encourage somebody. Extort means to take from another person. This is what Zacchaeus did. He would take from. So, so say your taxes this year are, or this quarter are $2,000. So he would send you a bill or maybe do this in person. Okay, well, you owe $2,700 in taxes. And this is, so, so he'd pay the bill to the Roman government of 2000 and he'd pocket 700 See, he's robbing from the people. He was a villain. He was hated by his people. So Zacchaeus, uh, Zacchaeus was also noted as a, a short, wee little man. 
right? And he climbs the sycamore fig tree to see Jesus who's coming into town. Jesus just is hungry, so he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, why not go to the finest house in town to get the finest meal in town, right? So, so J- Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house today. Okay, so Zacchaeus, in the middle of this, uh, has Jesus over, and something begins to change in his heart. And he could have easily said in modern-day vernacular, uh, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry. But no, he doesn't say that. Look at what he says in uh, Luke 19, verse 8. It's powerful because it reflects what would happen in the heart of a person when they repented in that day. Verse 19, or Luke, Luke 19, verse 8, it says this. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And so we know that he would have to go to these people and pay them back. There, there's this, this authentic picture of this guy's heart being changed, so much so that Jesus' response was, no, 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 you don't have to give all your stuff away. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't, didn't uh, discourage Zacchaeus from giving his stuff away and repaying people. What he said was, salvation has come to this house. Why did salvation, or how did he know salvation came to that house? Because Zacchaeus' heart was different. Do you get this? His heart was changed as a result of the sins that he was committed. If we're just confessing our sins and our heart isn't changed, we're playing the pharisaical game. We're, we're, we're trying to look good on the outside, but our heart is still wicked, and we will live that way for the rest of our lives unless we allow God to do something deep in our hearts. God wants to change our hearts. He wants to change us from the inside out. In the book of James, chapter 5, As we wind down here, God wants us free from guilt, from shame. And the way he frees us is through confession. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. I'm in the wrong book here. James 5, 16. I'm, I'm looking for 16. It's like, oh, five ends at, chapter 5 ends at verse 8. What am I doing? I was in the wrong book. I was in the wrong book. Yeah. Verse 16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me tell you something. We have gotten away from looking someone square in the eye and saying, I'm sorry. Honey, what I said to you was wrong. Please forgive me. We may, go, we may go that far to our spouse because we have to live with them. But the other people that we sin against, you know, typically we just ignore them. We write them off. We, you know, we, we sin against them. We, we offend them. We hurt them. We make choices that knowingly that uh, is not going to be good for them. All, all a picture of what's going on in our heart, right? And we, you know, hey, I dealt with that before the, before the Lord months ago. I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But your heart's not changing. You'd do that again in a heartbeat. You know you would, right? And God is going after our hearts. Part of the biblical confession 
picture is that we not only confess to the Lord, but we make it right with people around us. It's hard to do that sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to say, you know what? I I stole from you. And I'm sorry. And I'll pay you back. Uh, I'll do whatever I can. I mean, what if, what if it takes going to your employer and telling them that you've been lying on your hour, hourly reports? You've been charging more hours. That may be what it takes to get rid of the guilt that you're carrying for being dishonest. What if it takes calling your brother or someone close to you and being totally honest with, with the things that you've been thinking in your heart? Looking them square in the eye. This is what's been going on in my heart, and I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's bad. I, I don't like what it is, but I want to talk to you about it because I want to bring the secret to light. Listen to me. As long as it remains a secret, your heart is going to remain the same. When you begin to bring things to light, you begin to expose things from the darkness to the light, and, the God, and God can begin to work in your hearts. See, ultimately, it is our hearts that matter most. You know, that $500 or that, you know, whatever you're doing to deceive, to get a couple bucks in your pocket, or to lie, to cheat, to gain some advantage. Listen, 20 years from now, that's going to mean nothing. But where your heart is 20 years from now, it can start changing today. You don't have to carry the guilt of the decisions you've made in the past or the decisions you're making now. Listen to me. Uh, The decisions we make as students in college, we carry into our marriages. Listen, the, the choices we make, we carry that, the results of that as guilt into our marriages. The choices as business people that, that we make when we're on those road trips, when we're surfing the internet or flipping through the television, right? The business choices we make when we're at work, the way we treat people, we carry those things as guilt into our homes. This stuff will not go away until it's really really dealt with. And I know this isn't like, hey, let's, let's stand up and jump and shout and celebrate today's message. But the reality is, if there's something in your heart that's causing you to live this way, you have a prime opportunity to pull that thing out, uproot it, deal with it today, and be free. Be free. Listen, it is about freedom. There's a few exceptions to things that I would say you don't necessarily need to confess or go to a person about. Um, here's, here's one. Sometimes we, we, we have this thing that we've done or said or thought, and the person's no longer around. I can't contact them, or maybe they're no longer alive. You just need to let that go. Maybe for you in your heart of hearts, writing a letter to them or whatever to release you or to bring healing, that might work for you. But you, you can't confess to someone you can't talk to or, uh, or communicate with, Right? Uh, secondly, sometimes we carry false guilt. Sometimes our moms, our dads, our husbands, our wives, our kids, uh, they, they lay the guilt trip on us. And it's not real. Like, I'm not going to carry guilt from somebody that I'm not guilty of or responsible for, right? You don't need to confess that. You need to address that with them. You could be living totally uh, um, an amazing life before God, but it's not, good, it's not up to their standards, It's not good enough for them. So you're going to receive this guilt trip. Don't receive that. You don't need to confess for that. You hear what I'm saying? You may feel guilty, but that's because of someone uh, someone else's 
doing someone else's, the way they feel. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the enemy wants us to walk around in guilt all the time because, you know, we feel empty, we feel helpless, we feel powerless. Sometimes it's a lie from the enemy. Talk to some, confess your sins to one another. If you didn't sin against somebody, talk to someone about how you're feeling. Expose it. Bring it to light. This is the stuff that's going on in my head. What, tell, what do you think about this? Get some wisdom from someone uh, who, who you're close to. Connect with people. You, you don't need, if you discover this is the enemy uh, just, just formulating some, some attack against you then, you, then you just shout him down. Shut him down. Listen, he could be under your feet if you choose to make him under your feet, right? And finally, and this one can be a little bit more um, delicate, and I would say you need to get wisdom from this, uh, this one as it relates to an exception. Sometimes going and talking to somebody can cause more harm than good. And if you're feeling like, I don't know if this is wise, then uh, talk to a pastor or a leader in your life. Get some some wisdom from someone who really can help you and encourage you. Uh, We don't want you to walk into, you know, a war zone and create more hurt for you and more hurt for another to deal with this. There may be an alternative way. But the reality is God is calling us to a higher level, a higher standard of living. He's calling us. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes or have things come up in our heart that are not right. But when we discover it, how we deal with it is important. How we deal with these discoveries is important. I will be totally transparent with you and tell you generically As I was preparing this message, some things came up in my heart that I will be dealing with. Okay? So so as as we live life, Jesus came to transform our hearts. As As we live life, we need to be sensitive to what's going on uh as as we speak, the thoughts that go through our mind, and the actions that we take. Solomon said this, above all else, guard your heart. Let this be the monitor to, okay, there's something there. I've got to deal with it. What is it? If you know what it is, how do you fix it? And these are all things that God will speak to you about, will give you wisdom for, in an effort to create a clean heart in you. Amen? Amen. Let's go after this. These enemies don't have to keep us down. They don't have to keep us in struggling, defeated, powerless mode. God has called us to be powerful people. He's put a spirit in us. He's caused us to walk in victory, not in defeat. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray with you as we close today. I know this stuff is hard, but the reality is, if there are enemies of the heart, we've got to root them out. We've got to work with Jesus to root them out. Amen? Amen. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask a couple questions like I did last week. Just to just stir some thoughts and let the Holy Spirit begin to work in you. Here's the question. Is everything okay in your heart today? Is everything okay in your heart today? Do you have any secrets that you've been hiding from people? Are there things that you would, you would, uh, you would die inside if people found out about you? Is there something that you need to expose to the light by talking to someone? By sharing candidly with someone. Is there something that you've 
been confessing over and over and over again, but still feel guilty about it. Listen, today is your day for freedom. And I would challenge you not only to say a prayer and an amen to this prayer, but also to take action. If you need help with that, there are people that can encourage you and give you some wisdom in that. It may be making a phone call to somebody. It it may be confessing to someone you're standing next to today. It may be making a covenant. Listen, we, I, I've had secrets in the past, and I don't want any more secrets in our relationship. We can choose to go on and live the same way, or we can choose to be different and let the Lord purify our hearts. Amen? So, Father, bless your people today. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are rooting out, you are tearing down, you're destroying things, God, that have sought to destroy our hearts, Lord. And so, Father, maybe we the kind of be the kind of people that, uh, Lord, like David said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. May we be like David who said, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who ha- has clean hands and a pure heart, Lord God. Lord God, uh, let the things that are coming out of our mouths, the thoughts that are going through uh, our heart, Lord God, and the actions that we're taking bring glory to your name in this region. Father God, we give you praise and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.